Morning, everybody, and welcome back to Better Me, Better Us. My name's Vicky. And I am Hayley. Great to have you with us today. Hope you're all well. How are you, Vicky? Good. It feels like this once a month comes around so quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> and we're back recording again, which is good, I suppose, because that shows how busy we both are. What have you been up to? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They feel like they're so close together, yet so far apart because we achieve so much within those four weeks. Yet, like you said, it just comes around again, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, what have I been doing? So that would have been the month of September, eh? Um, well, I have to first of all start with, I went to see an amazing play. I don't know if people have seen the film. So I went to see I, Daniel Blake, which originally is based on the film by Ken um, Roach. Roach? Yep. Roach, isn't it? Yep. Who is amazing. Um, and I have to say, it was a very small production and it was just fantastic. So powerful. Um, ended up in tears. Uh, those people that do know the film. And I can't know. remember when it came out, but what always strikes me is it's it's been quite a few years, hasn't it? Maybe even 10 oh, years God. or something. But it's still yeah. so hard hitting and so relevant, which is really disheartening yeah. at times that it is still so relevant. It's really sad. And uh, both you and I had uh, similar positions in a previous life where we were intensive family support workers uh, working for targeted families and with yeah. targeted families. Um, and just scenes in I, Daniel Blake, where he is constantly on hold with that music that sends shivers down my spine. For those of you that have been on hold to uh, uh, DWP for a long time, you know, your call is important to us. Uh, yeah, you told me that 25 minutes ago when I started this phone call. You just think it's heartbreaking, um, but really impactful. I have to say it's a great watch. So if anybody gets mm -hmm. the opportunity to go to the theatre that was on at the Northern Stage in Newcastle, um, up at the university. I've done some work down in Yorkshire. So I know that's a favorite place of ours. Yorkshire. <laughs> we both come from down there. Um, been involved in some IT work. Uh, I had my friend stay from Scotland, who was my friend in Yorkshire, <laughs> <laughs> and celebrated a 50th birthday in our house. Not mine yet. Just want to put it out there. It's not mine yet. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I think something that's relevant for what we're going to talk about today as well, Vicky, um, is I've seen a, a, a quite a big increase in the demand on my day job. So as you know, I work as a LADO, so local authority designated officer, when there are allegations against professionals that work with children. Um, and I just think it's a parallel process, yeah. and we'll probably touch on some of this today, because um, I know there's a huge increase in the demand on children's social care, who are my colleagues. Um, and I think what we're seeing is a lot of mental health playing out in manifesting itself in various different ways that is impacting on people's personal and professional lives. Um, and we are in the position probably that we get to see both sides of those. So I'm curious about, about you. What yeah. have you been doing? Definitely seeing that impact and systems been stretched. Um, I've had a busy September, sort of still doing therapy. It's been back to school month. So yes. that comes with a few challenges in terms of children transitioning back and adapting back to that routine and lots of news, which I know we spoke about last month in terms of new teachers, new classrooms, new schools. And so adjusting to that. 
um, have delivered some life story workshop with Adopt Northeast, which was fab and such good conversation in the room and good conversations around managing risk and sharing information and having difficult conversations, which I know is something we love doing, getting in a room with people and having those sorts of conversations and it's great learning for everybody. Um, And then last Friday, I sat on an adoption panel as an independent panel member, which I thoroughly enjoy doing, but I suppose is a stark reminder of how traumatised these young people are, these children and young people, and the complex families that they come from and how I know that led on to conversations and and me sending you a message afterwards around, around parenting today and has it changed? How has it changed um, and I think that's what we want to sort of have a conversation about today in terms of parenting. It is because parenting, yeah, what a great question to start with. I mean, you and I are both from different, slightly different decades. Don't want to make too much of a big thing about it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I think, well, definitely. I mean, I was born in the 70s. Physical chastisement was freely used. You know, I'm thinking about parenting back then. Um, but life was also quite more simple, I think, for want of a better word. Is that mm-hmm. is that right, do you think? I mean, I think you were born a decade after or two decades after me, potentially. <laughs> um, what about how it how it had moved by the time you were experiencing it? Well, I think it depends on the um I was gonna say the socioeconomic area that you grew up in yeah, in true. terms of what life looks like. I know I was really lucky in the sense that my mum um was a stay-at-home mum until both my brother and I were in school and then she went back to work. And I know some families do not have that privilege no. um, of doing that and they need to go back to work. Um grandparents have always been heavily involved or were heavily involved in my childhood which again I know that's different for people now because people might live across the country and they don't have grandparents on their doorstep or local that could help with childcare. um yeah so I'd absolutely think it has changed but even as we're talking now I'm wondering has it changed can we generalize that across the country or is it still just in certain pockets? Because if we think to some areas that we have previously walked in, I still think there's that real sense of community in those areas in terms of looking out for each other and um yeah, shared responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't think exists in all communities anymore. Oh goodness, no. I mean, my we we moved about 10 years ago, just under 10 years ago now. So my kids were were both small then. One was about to go into high school at that time. And that was one of the reasons that we moved to where we are. Um, you know, same town, but closer to that, that, that school. Um, and the, the comments of my children always ring in my mind is that this is a better house, but they like to pick this house up and put it back on the other street. Um, and the other street that I lived in, possibly, well, that estate has maybe a bit of a different reputation than this estate. Mm-hmm. Um, we love that estate, by the way, that we lived on. My <laughs> kids always were in and out of other people's houses, real sense of community. We helped each other out. It was the sort of street that you lent sellotape to the person down the street when they were wrapping presents because they forgot to go to the shop. I know that's a weird uh, example, but that is a true one. <laughs> Whereas here in this street, we've lived here for 10 years and we know our neighbour across the road because they're just so chatty and lovely. And the ones either side of me ish, that's it. So a real, a real difference in terms of community. Now, 
there could be lots of reasons for that. And and most people on this street work. Mm -hmm. You know, the cars are leaving the street before seven o'clock in the morning. You see people um, have busy lives and that maybe wasn't so so prevalent in the other street that I lived in. Um, But it's interesting because my kids feel that that community is gone. Yeah. And I think there's there's so many reasons for that, isn't there? Like we say parents having to go to work, equally so much of um, people's relationships and connections are online. So people aren't necessarily yeah. leaving their front door and making the effort to go and see people because actually I can just pick up the phone and see that person. Um, and I was just thinking then, and I know they absolutely still exist now, but like um, baby groups and toddler groups. Yeah, sure start. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, at one point. That's where lots of parents would be with their young children and sort of mixing and making friends where I know mm-hmm. they do still exist or some of them still exist and some of them exist, but there's a fee to attend, which again, immediately rules some people out of being able to do that and access yeah. them. Um, yeah. And in terms of children spend such a significant amount of time at school and absolutely teachers are not parents, but they do have that sort of um teaching role not just teaching our children academically but sort of preparing them for the world and having some big conversations about all sorts of things and modeling the way that they respond to situations isn't it the kids are kids are watching you so how do you deal with stress how do you Mm -hmm. deal when that kid's naughty or they've just hit you what is it that you're going to do Mm -hmm. uh, to manage that situation effectively and that's what what that child is learning as well isn't it Mm -hmm. But then even then, as you were talking as well, we were remembering things like sure start. And and yeah, my kids are absolutely my responsibility. They absolutely are, Vicky. I make I make no, you know, bones about that. They are my responsibility. However, my parenting is massively influenced by the society that I live in. Mm-hmm. So when my children were born, we were getting the, was it the 250 pounds or 500 pounds grant that the 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 government were giving us it was labor then so we had sure start our kids were opening up bank accounts with you know a few hundred quid and that was every quid every kid so and you're right uh, one of ella's um one of the women that i became really close to uh i met her at baby group mm-hmm. we were both sitting there new and quite nervous and started talking to each other and so there were things there to support me now if i look at my cousin who is significantly younger than me because I'm one of the eldest in in our family. She has two kids. She's by herself. She lives in social housing. Um, She's luckily passed the test and got a car because where she lives on a lovely new estate, but because she's got the social housing, she's out on a complete limb. Mm -hmm. She's got two kids in a buggy. She couldn't get on. I mean, she did used to walk for miles to get onto public transport. She gets no support financially. Um, There are not free childcare places for her kids. She's not got a little handshake here. Make some savings for your kids. So her experience is already off kilter from mine. So it's amazing how influential the government is on how we we parent. You know, and, and, and again, we were just talking about the, the sort of um, difficulties with finances in this country. And again, I'm not getting on too political, but, you know, what we're seeing and hearing and reported in, in news is a decline in people's mental health and that manifesting itself in various be- behaviours, such as cutting down sycamore gap. Yeah. A happy person doesn't do that. Somebody's hurting. 
um, more, you know, an increase in, in animal cruelty because we know hurt people hurt people. So as a society, we have a responsibility to support the parents to be the best parents that they can so that their kids feel happy and well-rounded. Absolutely. And that hurt people, hurt people and healed people, heal people. Heal people. At the moment, what we regularly observe is people walking down the street and sort of turning their head away from a homeless person or young people, perhaps getting up to muddly stuff that we're, yeah. we're sort of, we would question what they're doing. But we look away rather than leaning into and sort of wondering and worrying what's what's going on for these people. And I don't know whether that's about our capacity and that we're all overwhelmed. So actually there's something about potentially recognising our capacity to be able to help. But yeah, we're all living such individual lives um, where together, collectively, we could be having such a bigger impact and and supporting this next generation. I mean, there's so many, I was going to generalise to older people, I don't think it is older people, but how many assumptions do we make about groups of young people walking down the street? Oh my goodness. Where actually yeah. now they don't have that luxury of youth clubs or free activities like we perhaps did when we were younger. And they're exposed to so much more. And I regularly say to some of the young people that I'm working with, I really empathize with how challenging teenage life is for you. There's so many more risks and things to contend with in terms of social media and yeah, so many more things, but we need to collectively support parents to manage that. Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's, it's that same thing as safeguarding whose responsibility is safeguarding. It's everybody's responsibility. You know, if you're walking down the street and you see somebody really hurt somebody, I hope you're going to do something about that or, or, you know, whether that's a phone call or whatever, you know, the same as a hurting animal, you know, it's all our responsibility. So yes, I am a parent and my kids are my responsibility, but how I can manage that is influenced by the society in which I live and function. You know, you know, um, people are choosing whether to, to heat or eat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got winter coming on. It's been okay because it's been summer. We've got lots of challenges that families are trying to face. And, you know, we've always said that there's not a family that we've worked with, and we've worked with many, many families with lots of different situations that that set out to get get it wrong. Yeah. You know, they had best hopes and intentions. Um, and again, quite often things are stacked up against people, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think that was something, like I said at the start, that I was really mindful of at Adoption Panel on Friday is the complex early life stories of these children and their parents' life stories. And it is absolutely and must absolutely be our business to try and change things for everybody. Because when we don't, and absolutely, I know um, sort of removing a child from their birth parents is, is the last resort and something we we hope not to have to do but there's something about if that is does have to happen for safeguarding reasons that actually someone else is then parenting that trauma those adoptive parents those foster parents they're then parenting the trauma in those children so it is absolutely everybody's business those children go to school and those teachers need to sort of support that child with the attachment difficulties and trauma so it doesn't make sense for us to turn a blind eye to it because it becomes something that we're faced with in whatever job and capacity we're working in. Because I think you can work in any any sort of organisation and there'll be people in that workplace 
that are suffering in some way, shape or form. We just might not know about it. And we know the difference that it makes. We know the difference that it makes. You know, I can remember working with somebody who was a professional um, and he often used to tell me it was a worker that changed his life. Weren't involved for long. Just as, when he was a kid, he had a youth worker and it was that person that flipped his life around. And that's the other thing is it's all our business. And, and we're seeing the fallout of unhealed trauma. This is unhealed trauma that we're seeing and all these difficulties that we're reading in the newspaper or or hearing on, on the news. This is the fallout. And that's why it's so important, like you said, to, to actually help and support, name that trauma, heal that trauma. Let's, you know, rather than ignoring it, because ignoring it doesn't mean it goes away. It's just building a huge, it's getting bigger and bigger inside that little person's head, yeah. tummy, hearts and mind, doesn't yeah. it? And then that will show itself in behaviour. Exactly. And I was just thinking then, no one's born knowing how to parent and bring up children, are they? So it, no. Well, one, we learn from our own experiences of being parented and perhaps what we don't want or we do want to continue. But equally, it's sharing the knowledge. So rather than seeing someone and judging or blaming or shaming, it's thinking, what's happened to them? What could I do for them? How could I help them? And share that knowledge and information with them. And it's yeah. it's so much what you especially always come back to is networks. It's building people's networks. Absolutely. Get their people around them. Who's your people? Yeah. Get them. We need mm-hmm. them. How can we get your people if there's a, mm-hmm. a difficulty getting them? And, and as practitioners and professionals and people and humans as well, what we have to always remember is sometimes we don't always see the impact of what we do. Mm-hmm. you've just planted a seed though absolutely and that sticks with people and that will grow um and you know so you may think oh well what was the point i haven't affected change you probably have you've just put somebody into pre-contemplation yeah. you've actually you know offered an opportunity to them that they might be able to consider whereas previously they didn't feel that that was an option sometimes i think our work is intergenerational and i love what you said before as well about the work with um with children and young people about, you know, life story work, words and pictures and the unhealed trauma of their parents as well. Mm. When I have done words and pictures um, explanations with parents, I, I mean, I'm smiling because the shift, mm-hmm. the shift in the relationship with the parents, even though their child might not be at home with them at the moment. And that's me that's made that, well, not me, mm. you know, my manager and the, mm-hmm. But 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 I'm the conduit. I'm the person that that, that 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 they're dealing with, and for them to be able to sit down with me, oh my god, what an honor! Mm-hmm. Number one, that you can sit and have a conversation with me about the stuff that is so deep and so personal, and sometimes shaming. Mm-hmm. But you're able to sit there with me and consider how we can share some of this stuff with your child in a way that's not going to scare or hurt them but actually the impact that that has on those adults because they haven't been heard. I was going to say, and it so, can be so validating and empowering, can't it, for someone such as you to sit there and say, well, no wonder you didn't know how to parent yeah. because you didn't have that experience yourself. So no wonder you didn't know what you were doing. And sometimes start with, I'm sorry that that's been your experience. Yeah, I'm so sorry that that's what you had to go through because that's not okay. You know, I just I had to speak to somebody recently on the phone um, who's an adult and had something occur when they were a child. And it was that messaging of you. 
you must always remember that you were a child and anything that adults decide to do to or around you when you are a child is never, ever your fault. Absolutely. You know, it's just about hearing people, I think, mm -hmm. sometimes, isn't it? Like you said earlier on, giving space, hi, respect. You know, we're all going away. Oh, I don't want to look at this. I don't want to talk about that. Um, you know, just give people the time of day. That in itself gives a slight bit of healing because actually some you've just seen me. You just saw me. That that woman just saw me and said hi. Whereas I've been sitting here for hours in the rain and nobody's put five pence in my bucket. Making people visible. And like like you've mentioned a few times today about sort of Oh no, have I been repetitive? No, not at all. But I was just thinking <laughs> in terms of cuts and how we're heading into winter and some people might be losing their jobs. Yeah. I know that's happened to my partner recently in terms of are going to struggle to pay for gas and electric and heating bills and stuff. And actually it it's that saying, isn't it? That we're all, is it one pay, pay slip away one. from yeah, homelessness? Yeah. And absolutely. So when you see someone that is on the streets, they're not choosing to be on the streets. Something has happened for them that has led them to that. And yeah, it's it's collectively I keep coming back and doing the hand gesture of bringing everybody in because it is we can't change the world but collectively we can absolutely make a difference and and I know systems and I started with that as well systems are so full of trauma at the moment it feels really heavy and I know often when we yeah, check does. in and when I check in with other colleagues I sometimes say I feel really full of trauma at the minute yeah. because it is absolutely everywhere and it might not be labeled as that but there is so much I was going to swear then, but so, <laughs> well so, done. Much, so much stuff that weighs really heavy on people. Yeah. And yeah, collectively, we can make a difference. We can. And, you know, I think you, you just said it there. There's a reduction in resources. We've got more work to do, less time to do it. So there's higher expectations on us there. A lot of people would say, and I'm just, you know, the news has been on this morning, the wages haven't increased over that time but the prices have mm -hmm. so they're struggling with that so it's it's personal and professional it's it's everywhere so now you know people that maybe had you know how well certainly for me you could always manage your work even if your personal life was difficult because work was okay or vice yeah. versa if work was difficult it's okay because everything at home is all right so I, I can you know, sort of debrief at five or nine, whatever the time you get away from the office. Um, but now there's pressure in all of those areas, I think. And I think that's a difficulty as people are struggling to get their downtime. Because even social lives now, you know, I have teenagers, there's so much pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, Theatre and cinema and doing this and doing that and have you got bubble tea and you know, that costs a mortgage. You know, have you have you bought bubble tea, Vicky? It's very expensive. <laughs> but even coming back to parenting and parenting teens, I think there's something about that pressure, isn't there? Like you've referenced there in terms of parents feeling, well, I have to provide that for my teen for them to fit in and belong. Yeah. And actually, there are so many parents and families that are struggling financially that can't do that. And actually, maybe if we all stepped back and took some of that pressure off, yeah, that, that would really make a difference. Because I don't think that matters which socioeconomic background you come from, whether you're rich, you're in the middle or you're poor. When you see the price of the kids' shoes that they want 
Who's who justifies that? Who justifies that? And especially when their feet grow so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. So then we've got the pressure for us at work and at home. And am I providing this? And now I'm also pressured because have I left my child in a vulnerable posi- position when I sent them off to school today and they didn't have the name jacket? Mm-hmm. So now that's going to feed into my mental health and well-being, isn't it? My mm-hmm. mood as I'm driving into work. It just is the snowball effect, isn't it? So it is that back to that message of what we've said. It is tough. We're not going to lie. It's a really tough world out there at the moment. But humans are made of tougher stuff. Absolutely. And it's having conversations, isn't yeah. it? And people talking, because even then thinking about sort of birthday presents for kids and stuff, have a conversation with your family members, friends or whatever, and put a limit on it. Absolutely. So there isn't the pressure, oh, well, goodness, they bought me a really expensive gift, so I've got to buy them an expensive gift get back have some conversations and yeah. yeah, let's work together. And if nothing else, I'd invite people from today to have a think about how has parenting changed when you were a child? What was it like for your parents and how has that changed? And notice the pressures that, that people are contending with and, and maybe be a bit kinder and more empathic towards people because it is a difficult job and something which we need to pull together and make it everybody's business to to parent this next generation yeah and to heal help people heal and help the future look brighter as well um because we are strong we're made of strong stuff humans and listen we we believe in humans which is why we've got better me better us and human to humans always the strongest connection and that's real life nothing else is real life but but you know connecting with your loved ones and those around you that's the real stuff of life that's what makes the world a better place absolutely well as always i'm sure we went off on many tangents but we hope it's, <laughs> if nothing else it's made people think and reflect and we will see you all again yeah. next month have a great have month a great everybody month. see you soon bye bye